0: Hello, and welcome to The Pantry Party. This is episode number 10, which is exciting. and We're double
1: digits!
0: <laughs> we are talking to a dear friend of ours, Simone Abley.
1: My name is Eliza, and this is Bran. We're your hosts. Um, and yeah, so Simi is one of my favourite people who I went to uni with. <laughs> one of my favourite people in gen- general. Um, we, She was with us, well, me, the whole way through my... Bachelor of Nutrition and Dietetics, and we did a lot of our placement work together. Um, I actually think we were on placement together in Thurgy, but we definitely did our whole um, public health placement, which then led to a research project, so we've been working together for a long time.
0: (laughs) Fun fact, I did my first group assignment in first semester for Janine's unit with
1: Sim and two others, Yeah. She's a, she's a good un. She is. Um, Sim's got a really interesting career in dietetics because we don't actually talk about this, but she like topped our year. Like, yeah. she was like the smartest, most accomplished. She's the very intelligent egg. Yeah. <laughs> so she um, <laughs> did very, very well in dietetics, did really well in all of her clinical placements, and then left uni, um, did a little bit of work, went overseas for a few weeks and then came back and started a job in insurance, (laughs) which um, I'm sure to many a dietitian would be seen as a bit of a step sideways Mm -hmm. and not a typical career path. But as you'll soon find out in this conversation, Sim is loving it and she's really well suited to this position. Um, She also talks us through how she got there, what she actually does and how it kind of utilizes the skills that she's learned throughout the course. So I think it's a really good chat because mm. it does give a really, really different perspective. Like a lot of us in dietetics are kind of like you either do clinical or you do public health or you do yeah. community or food industry, but this is like completely left field, completely different realm. Um, but she's still having a really cool impact on people's health and on their recovery more than anything.
0: Yeah. And I think the the one thing that jumps out to me is how Sim talks about how she wants to manage the perception that she's not being a dietitian. Um, I think deep down that's something that we're all, all struggling with a, a little bit is that kind of fear that if we don't get a role that isn't a typical dietetics role then we're not being a dietitian and we're not using our degree and we're not making that heck step <laughs> worth it. Um, but I think we have a really good discussion around that and how um, sometimes you just need to stand up for yourself and be like, well, Mm. no, I'm technically not, you know, a typical dietitian, but I'm using so many skills that were in my dietetic degree. So I'm not discrediting my profession or discrediting my degree in any way. Um, It's a very tough conversation to be had. And I think there's a lot of people that can make comments like that, which is very disheartening to new grads, especially because you feel like you've let yourself down. And I think Sim highlights that, Just because your role doesn't have dietitian in it doesn't mean you're not being a dietitian. I think that's very, 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 very important to tell new (laughs) grads because that's something that can really hold you back if you think about it too much.
1: Yeah. We also did mention in this conversation an article that Sim wrote for the Nutrition Press, which is... I actually don't think the Nutrition Press is... Um, The blog... Sorry, the post is still up. I will link it They're not creating new content No, But yeah, we'll link this post, but she talks about why we need to regulate the term dietitian and nutritionist. Um, And so for anyone who wants to do a bit of advocacy around that and feels they need to be better educated around speaking about that kind of thing, check that out. Or if you're someone who's not a nutritionist or dietitian, go and have a read just so that you know yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a very good writer. Mm -hmm. And we do talk a little bit about how she'd like to do a bit more. But um, yeah, she's 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 busy
0: yes she is um as always we'll leave her contact details down below because i think she's said she's very happy to be messaged and give advice and she gives very good advice yeah um can confirm <laughs> um so yes we'll obviously leave that, all that down below and links to any content that we talked about yeah it's so we'll, we'll jump straight on into the conversation this is our pantry party with Simone Adley mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> there hey. she is. Hey. Hello.
0: How are
2: you? So good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Oh, yeah. gorgeous. I know. How's it going? So, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, my name's Simone, and um, I went to uni with Liza and Bran. Um, I currently work as a claims consultant um at an insurance company in the city, um, which isn't really what I thought I would do. <laughs> But I'm really enjoying it now, um, and I loved my course at uni, but as we'll probably talk about after, there's a few things that probably were, didn't really prepare me for what I'm doing at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy nutrition writing, um, I've done a bit of that in the past, and now I'm working more in a corporate setting, which is really good because I'm using my degree in a different way to probably the norm.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about, because you're probably one of the only people that we know who is doing more corporate nutrition, Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't really presented as an option for us on graduating, so I think that'll be really interesting to hear a bit more about that. But before we do, um, with all of our guests, we like to do a quick get-to-know-you fast five questions, which I totally haven't briefed you on, (laughs) um, and I probably can't remember, but we really should be able to by now. Um, So we'll jump in with that. Um, question number one is, what are your top five pantry staples? Ooh, okay.
2: Top five or three? Three. Top three yeah. pantry staples. <laughs> Please, we do <don't>. um, <laughs> I'd probably say, uh, like, rice slash noodles as one of my staples. Carbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> carbs. Carbs, definitely. Um, oh, God, I haven't really thought about this. Uh, so, carbs including in carbs though I would have to probably separate them out because I do love carbs <laughs> um, I so if you have more, more the rice noodle kind of carbs but then also bread I love bread I always have bread <laughs> um, and then my third one is probably mm, just veggies as well yeah carbs and veggies are probably the things that I try and base most of my meals around um, yeah that's probably it. Any particular veggies? Uh, at the moment mushrooms. <laughs> I've been mushroom yeah. I've been mushrooming with my auntie here and there. Um That is so cute. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I mean I pick the mushrooms with my auntie's knowledge, hoping they're okay. And they have been. Um, yeah, but yeah, mushrooms, definitely, definitely.
1: Nice. Mm, very nice. Do a nice little mushroom pasta sitch? Oh
2: yeah, mm. there's heaps around around the yeah, peninsula. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: There you
2: go. Okay, it's the second question.
0: What is your favorite dish to bring to a party, like a dinner or something?
2: Um, this is probably not so much like a dinner dish, but like the cob loaf of bread and fill it with cheese, like different mm. cheeses, and then you bake it with. You can do like spring onions, bacon, um, pretty much anything that's kind of savoury. And then you just kind of like bake it and toast it a bit and then use the bread to dip into the cob loaf full of cheese. It's delicious. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd eat that. Seems coming to
1: all of my <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um Leading on from that, question number three is what's your favourite party that you, you've attended or that you've
2: like hosted? Oh, my favorite party. Um, when I was a lot younger, so I was maybe 14 or something, I did this high tea party, which was amazing because the food was incredible. Um, and it was quite like intimate and we all got to dress up and I've always remembered that as like something I, I wanna do again in the future. And I guess the theme there is probably food as well. The yeah. food made the party. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your favourite self-care strategy? Um, at the moment, uh, mindfulness meditation probably. So I've always kind of been into mindfulness and yoga, especially when I was doing VCE. Um, but I I guess with the busy world that we live in, it, it gets hard to have time for yourself. So... Um, the last two or three months, I've been trying to do mindfulness every morning. And I also go to this meditation class once a fortnight. So that's kind of something for me. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. That'd be cool. Do you find that
1: um, you're able to do it when, like, on a busy train? Or do you have to, like, set some time aside for it?
2: Um, I'm trying to do it on the train. <laughs> it's hard. Um, but that's when I have the most time to do especially in the morning because I'm traveling quite a fair distance to work Um, and I'm getting better at it, but that's what I usually do during the week when I'm going to work. Um, Maybe at the end of the day I'll do it for five minutes or something, but I don't really have time before work, like at home, so it'll be the train.
1: Yeah, Yeah. nice. And last question is, what are you currently into? Ooh, um, what am I
2: currently into? (laughs) Sorry. I guess again like ugh, it's hard because I'm I'm working so much to like get into stuff but um I'm probably the same thing into the mindfulness at the moment like that's probably the thing I'm trying to get into more I've kind of fallen out of my routine of the gym and exercise a little bit but I think that's just a bit of like an ebb and flow like that'll come back again Um yeah I'm enjoying kind of just giving myself time to to relax in the morning and in the evening
1: that's good are you reading any books or listening to any
2: podcasts or tv anything like that that you're into at the moment um books i've been reading a couple of books about the holocaust which has been an eye-opener and i've enjoyed that um uh in terms of tv shows i've been watching wentworth which I don't know if you have heard about it yet. Yeah, it's on Foxtel. It's really, really good. I've been watching it since season one, and it's oh, season eight now, I think, or seven or something. Um, and otherwise, that's that's probably the main thing. So I don't have a lot of time for mm. TV. but uh, You get almost, home really late in the evening. Yeah, it depends how early I get to work. Yeah. At, like, the earliest I'll get home is like 6, 6.30, yeah. and I leave oh. home at 6.15, <laughs> so it's a 12-hour day.
0: yeah. yeah.
1: Hmm. On that note, could you tell us a little bit about what you currently do for work and
2: how you got there? So I work as a claims consultant. I, in the final year of uni, um, an email came through that said um, there's a competition going for, uh, it was a collaboration with Monash, um, MLC and Aluka. So um, MLC is a life insurance company. Aluka is like a life insurance board. That that kind of regulates um, insurance and holds conferences, um, and I entered it because you could win two so, and a half thousand dollars. So, and to be honest, yeah that that's why I entered it. I mean, I also thought, oh, this is a good opportunity. But um, I think, like most uni students, money is a pretty good incentive. <laughs> so, I got chosen as a finalist for this competition. So, what it involved is. Um, You had to answer a question. There was eight questions and I got given the question, um, should highly fit individuals um, be charged at a lower premium rate for their insurance? So in other words, if you're really fit, should you get an advantage and have to pay less for your insurance cover? And I had to answer that question in front of maybe like 60 um, senior members of of this insurance company as well as some Monash staff and a few other people. So it was, it was pretty scary to be honest, looking back. Um, and sorry, just to cut you off. I remember at the time, like you were so conflicted about
1: what the right answer was as well. And I think like that would have been a really valuable learning experience in the way that you shaped your perspective of our industry and insurance and everything as well.
2: Yeah. So Um, in the end, yeah, with how I went, uh, in answering that question, I kind of didn't really know how to answer it because firstly, I didn't really understand what insurance was. I was just winging it. Um, and I tried to, you know, do research. I asked my, my dad and whatnot, but, um, I didn't really take much of a stance on either side because there's just so many variables and you know, when you're presenting to all these senior staff who've worked in the insurance industry for, like, 30-plus years and I'm just a student who doesn't even know what insurance is. It was it was hard. <laughs> um, but I, I really, I guess, I, I didn't actually win, um, but it was an experience in that I made a lot of, um, like, networks and I, I got to know a lot of people in that industry. Um, so that, that competition ended, um, then uni ended, and then... Yeah, I guess that really leads me to um, the world of the unknown of finding a job. <laughs> so,
0: In dietetics yeah. specifically, yes. <laughs> yeah,
2: so I can tell you a bit about um, my journey to finding work and where I am now. So I, I finished uni after pretty much at the time of that competition, actually. And I was it was actually quite a hard time of my life, to be honest, because... Um, not only was it four years just gone and now you had to find a full-time job, which everyone tells you is hard and, and it is hard. Um, I'd broken up with my boyfriend of three years. So I was a little bit, um, lost, I guess. And I just had all these expectations that I would have a job within like a month or two. So by the new year. So I was looking for work and I was applying for clinical roles, even though deep down I kind of knew I didn't really want to work clinically. But I think there's this expectation that you do a dietetics course, which is known traditionally as like a course that leads you into a dietitian role, which everyone sees as private practice or hospital work. That um, yeah, So you end up as a clinical dietitian. So I started applying for those roles. I got a few interviews, um, but I guess my passion probably didn't really show in my interviews. And, and it is competitive, and it is hard to get work. Um, I got an internship with Nutrition Australia, which was actually a really um, valuable learning experience. So that was 12 weeks. I worked with the Healthy Eating Advisory Service. Um, and I, I just really, it it was more of an admin role, I guess, but it was, you learned a lot about what they do. Um, and it kind of opened up my doors a bit more into possibly like a public health path. Um, but I, I still wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I, I did this internship alongside a little bit of casual research work at Monash, which involved, um, research into health education, not specifically nutrition. And I was just helping a PhD student go through hundreds of articles pretty much to see if they were included or excluded into her study. Um, and I I liked research, so I actually really didn't mind doing that. It was quite um, interesting, but I just knew that, that I didn't even know what I wanted to do, if that makes sense. So I went to Europe because um, I thought that would solve <laughs> my problems. <laughs> so I went to Europe in June last year um, for six weeks. And then I came back and I kind of had a bit of a fresh head. And I thought, you know what? I think I want to explore different avenues to the traditional career paths that mm. that I was kind of forcing upon myself. So um, I reached out to some of the people that I met at this Um, MLC night where I presented my topic um, on fitness and highly fit people and I made contact with um, one of the girls there and pretty much I just sent her a message saying hey I don't know if you remember me but um, I'm super interested to just hear about how you got to where you are now so she was leading a team of consultants um, at at MLC and so she she said to me look I'll give you a call so she called me and she talked to me about how she got to her role so she actually did the exact course that I did um, five years earlier than me so um, it was really good to hear about how she got to where she got to because she literally knows exactly what kind of footsteps that I went through as well Um, and then I found out there was jobs going and I applied for one and I had my interview and I got the job. Um, I really didn't know what I was getting into though. And so I was a little bit, um, a bit scared. (laughs) I guess everyone's a bit nervous going to their first full-time job. Um, And I started in a team of assessing claims for um, critical illness, terminal illness and death. So, very very full on, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I guess my my role started with um having to um look at all these claims and make sure that they meet the policy terms and conditions. So I guess you might be thinking like, how like how is that related to what I did at, at university? But there's a lot of transferable skills and um.
0: It's a lot of clinical judgment. Yeah, really. yeah. Like
2: you use a lot of that, which
0: was so drilled into us throughout all our placements that you've got to be able to use that clinical prioritization
2: and those critical
0: thinking skills
2: that yeah. we got, I guess. Mm. So, so yeah, you're right in that. Um, I think the big skills of yeah, your clinical judgment, your patient-centered care skills, because you're dealing with people, mm. um, especially for critical illness and terminal illness, people that are really unwell mm. and... Essentially, an insurance company is providing um, support for someone during their time of need. So with someone that a critical illness is like a cancer, um, like MND, Mm. um, all those really serious illnesses that are potentially life-threatening, but you necessarily haven't um, been told you're going to pass away in less than 12 months. So they're just those serious conditions that will affect you quite severely. Um whereas terminal illness, you know, is is your doctor's told you you've got less than 12 months to live. So that's the really hard um claims to assess. Um and I did that for 6 months and I knew that when I did it it's not what I wanted to keep doing. Mm. Um because although it's very rewarding when you're talking to people um, and you're talking to doctors and you know that you can pay out their claim, um, and it will change their life. It was also really, really difficult to talk to these people who are, yeah, really, really sick. Um, and obviously like having a really tough time. So a job went, um, or actually I got approached by another team, um, cause I was doing quite well in my job, which was surprising. <laughs> because I wouldn't have thought I would. Not surprising at all. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um, and they, it was a promotion, and they said, We have a role going in the income protection team. Which, so income protection is essentially if you are sick or injured um, and you can't work, we will pay you 75% of your income um, until you can yep. work again. Yep. Depending on your policy, like there's obviously a few conditions. If your policies are only till two year benefits, we'll only pay up to two years. Age 65, we'll pay, yeah, until you're 65. So um, income protection is a lot more involved in that you don't just assess your claim. Yes, you have cancer. No, you don't have cancer. You get paid. You don't get paid. Income protection is, okay, this person can't work because they've broken their leg or because they have cancer or anything really. Um, Why can't they work? You have to assess functional capacity. And we have a team of rehab specialists that work with us to get them back to work. So this really interested me because I, I kind of saw this as a lot more um, relatable to my, my degree because you you have a portfolio of um, of your clients that you're following up regularly and you're actively using your allied health background mm-hmm. to get them back to work. So I, I'm in that role now. I, I got the job in March and, um, yeah, I've finished all my training at the end of May. So I look after maybe at the moment, like, for 30, 40 claims. Um, and they range from 25-year-old men with um, injuries to, like, 60-year-old women with cancer. Like, it can be anything. Um, and it's it's really enjoyable. I'm really liking it. Um, and I feel like it's probably a really important area for allied health, Um and and people with medical backgrounds to work in because essentially you're working to get people back to work and to Mm. recover. So why wouldn't you want people that have a health background to, to do that Mm. for your company? So the insurance industry is actually moving more towards allied health, um, specifically physiotherapists, OTs, um, nutrition a little bit, probably not as big, um, the awareness probably isn't there as much about what we learn um but yeah in general allied health people and of of that background to really assist in people getting back to work and recovering yeah
0: yeah i guess just to backtrack a little bit because yeah. that's quite a i guess a specific role in a way mm-hmm. backtracking to <clears throat> when you first started dietetics i guess what was your picture of what you thought you'd be doing and or was there a picture or were you just sort of like, I'm just going to do it and see what happens?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, when I first started the course, in all honesty, I thought I'd be working in a hospital at the mm. end of it um, or in like a private practice, Yeah. which I think is typical of a lot of people starting the course. Yeah. Um, and I guess as I went along, I realized, especially when I did clinical placements, um, that I just felt like I had so much more to give and in a way you're, you're quite restricted in your clinical placements and, and in your clinical role as a dietitian but also I just didn't have that passion to to do a clinical dietetic job and I guess that's, that's for multiple reasons um, but I, I just enjoyed other parts of the course more and other options more and now I'm in a completely different role using my degree in a different way and I'm really liking it yeah Mm -hmm. it sounds
0: like those core skills are still there like in terms of that hospital knowledge but
1: just like you say translating it differently which is really interesting yeah and I think like you're almost taking the parts that you really thrived in in the course and using those bits whereas I think in a clinical nutrition role Mm. you're not necessarily going to use all of the skills that we're equipped with like Mm. you know of course as we spoke with Claire about there's a strong focus on like public health and health promotion and more preventative health and looking at You know the social determinants of health like the bigger picture and that's really nice that you've been able to like actually use some of that in your in your role Mm. whereas like in clinical like acute clinical nutrition you're not really looking at the patient's broader circumstances Mm.
2: yeah and i think as well like um and this probably is outside of just my role but in this industry in general and the need for allied health and medical professionals is that not just in claims is it important but in like you're saying in underwriting so underwriting is when you take out a policy um at the very beginning they ask you questions about your health and then they they really assess the risk of us insuring you so if you've got um like if you've had a cancer in the past they're probably going to put an exclusion on cancer and things like that but, um at the same time they're starting initiatives and they're doing research um on how they can kind of help the wider community in a preventative way. Um, some of it is probably not not like in my opinion, probably not the greatest preventative approach, but I think there's a lot of potential for mm-hmm. for us as like a big um, company and and the industry to really um, really take part in that preventative research because essentially it would be not only important for the health of Australians but for, our, for the business because the more claims we have the more people we're paying out mm. and you know, at the end of the day, yes, we we are helping people get back to work because you know we that's our genuine role. But it is a business as well, and we obviously can't or we don't want to be paying forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of potential for um, health professionals to work in that space as well to really look at okay, how can we reduce the risk of of these people getting on claim? Um, and that's like you're saying, Liza, it's preventative stuff, and it's yeah, it's really looking into ways that that we can do that.
1: Yeah. Mm. I think it's yeah, it's it kind of brings in more of the lesser used conventionally used parts of our degree, which is really yeah. nice. <clears throat> um do you want to talk a little bit about how uni prepared you for this role and how maybe it didn't?
2: Yeah. Um uni didn't really prepare me <laughs> for this role. Uh, I think uni and it's probably something that you've explored with with other people that you've um, talked to but uni it has a very strong focus on the traditional dietetic pathway which is mostly clinical a little bit of public health um, but it it doesn't really give you much of an opportunity to explore other ways you can use your degree so in all honesty if I didn't do that um, that competition, I probably wouldn't have had any idea that that this was a different um, pathway for me to to look further into and to eventually, you know, start my career in. Um, so, I guess with with that being said, it's it kind of opened my eyes. And and when people ask me, when they're students, not just in the um, dietetic courses, but in other health courses as well, is to really like look beyond what what you're being taught because yes um, you know if you study nutrition or if you study OT like you think you're gonna get to a hospital role or to a rehab role but actually there's so many other opportunities and other ways you can use your course and um, and use your degree and one of those ways is in like a corporate setting Mm. because health is like health is important for the economy and I mean, we didn't learn anything really at uni about the economy and finance, <laughs> but I've learned a bit in my, um, in my job. So, and I mean, it's kind of common sense as well. Like the more people that are off work, for example, the economy is going to be affected in a, in a big, big way. So when you think of insurance, specifically income protection insurance, which is huge, that's the most, like, that's the big part of the life mm-hmm. insurance industry, um, when you think of that like there's a huge huge potential and a huge role for us to make an impact not only towards the like the health kind of system but the economy as well and that essentially bounces off each other mm. like if you've got a healthy economy you're probably going to have a better health system as well and it probably uh-huh. goes beyond my my head and my expertise but yeah <laughs> it, it it just rounds out everything as yeah. well um so yeah, I I think it's it's a huge potential to to look into other ways to use your degree. Um and I'm sure there's ways now that we don't even know that that you know, our nutrition degree can can help us to get a job in who knows, other other career pathways. Um other industries. Yeah. I guess it's just all about exploring and networking, getting to know people, getting to like asking lots of questions and advocating for your degree
1: yeah and I think that's one of the unique aspects of a nutrition degree compared to for example a physio or even you know nursing just like gen- where... yeah a general med is that we're in our course in particular like I don't really can't speak for people that didn't study Monash but like we're taught to look at the bigger picture but then we're not taught of how to impl- like implement that in our work and I think that's a real flaw of the course because they're seeing that that's so important but not teaching us how to use it and i think that's like you know it's a big issue but i don't know how we address that
2: yeah and i think as well um i don't know if if you guys recall um but i know that there was really only one lecture maybe or one tutorial that talked about entrepreneurship and and like exploring other ways to use your degree but at the same time it, it was it was just touching on the bare minimum and it was very
0: novel, like it wasn't, yeah. know, it was like, yeah, this is an idea, <laughs> but none of you are actually going to do it, so it's yeah. just ticking a box. And
2: like I, I think it was a lot about like your own business as well, which mm. like in in realistic terms, it's very difficult to start your own business straight out of uni, mm. especially if you just, like if you're young and you, mm. you've just come out of school, like you don't have the money to start your own business <laughs> yeah. and mm. you, that's what you need. So I think it's important not only to look at that side of things and the entrepreneur kind of side of things to start new work and new businesses, because that's just not realistic for some new graduates. Mm. But also to look at, yeah, different different industries, different career pathways, which I don't even think we did at all to no, be honest. no,
1: not at all. And I think like we talked a little bit to Claire about this as well, in that she was saying, you know, where equipped for so much more than what we're sort of sent into Mm, and she was talking about the Mm -hmm. just as an example the implications of like a dietitian being employed Mm -hmm. in a big corporate firm like as a dietitian Mm -hmm. so they could do menu development and they could do the catering policies and they could also do one on one like nutrition therapy like that one person can have such an impact in that company but that's not even a thought that crosses our minds because we're not really taught to think outside the box of conventional clinical nutrition mm. and even like private practice and stuff we're not really taught how to do that we're mm. not really taught how to do public we health about the risks of it yeah, really. yeah. I, I
0: don't know what your lecture was like but ours was basically like just make sure you're insured yourself and like yeah you need to think about rents and overheads and it's really big investment so don't think about doing it until you're further on your career path essentially and it's yeah, yeah the flip of that is that so many people have had to go into private practice because that's all we're taught it's like clinical or private practice public health maybe that's it Mm. so it's yeah not very inspiring and not very like you say it doesn't teach you to
1: think outside the box no and i think like that's one of the main pieces of feedback that i personally have got when i have mentioned this podcast is that people are like oh that's really good that you're talking about this because no one does Mm. and like even though we're all aware of it in the back of our minds going through our course we're not talking about it we're not finding solutions to it so i think it's really nice that you've been able to kind of like Take a step back, go, okay, I'm not, not that you're not cut out, but like, that's not what you're passionate mm. about doing that conventional role. How can I have a bigger impact and how can I use this information, these skills that I've got mm. in a more effective way?
2: Yeah. And I think it's interesting as well because it's hard, like it is hard to do that. And it is hard then people ask you, oh, what, what are you doing? And you explain it to you, you, tell them I'm, I'm working in insurance and they just... I've had people say, oh, so so you're not, not using your degree. You're yeah. not a dietitian. And that, that's... Well, no, I'm not essentially... My role isn't a dietitian, but I am using my degree. Mm. And, you know, without the, the course that I did, I wouldn't be able to do mm. the job that I'm doing. Mm. And I wouldn't be able to use the skills that I've learned. And I think that's really hard too, to not only step back and look at, okay, this is like maybe a different pathway that I could use my degree, but to also kind of this stigma and this um, view that you haven't become a dietitian with your degree and actually be able to stand up for yourself a bit. Mm. I found that really hard. Like a lot, probably more people than not say to me, you know, oh not directly you've wasted your degree, but they, they give me that intention. that Oh, well then why, you know, you could have done this without nutrition when it's not the case at all. And I guess that's not really anyone's fault it's just the fact that we do need to there's multiple things but at uni we need to explore new career pathways we need to advocate for our skills as dietitians Mm -hmm. and probably in the broader allied health industry as well I'm sure there's other professions that you know similar kind of things although nutrition is a difficult profession to work in because everyone is involved in it and thinks they're an expert. <laughs> um but yeah, it's it's an it's a number of things really um that I think make people think you you need to do this with your degree. And if you don't, then you've wasted it, which is not the case at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. As we were saying mm. before, comparatively, you're using a lot more of your degree mm. than mm. some clinical dietitians would. Yeah. And I think like the way that the uni set us up and the way that we sort of perceive our industry is that, I mean, I definitely don't now, but, like, going through y- your degree, you see that clinical position as the gold standard. And that's mm. that's where all the... That's the gold job to get. And I think, like, like I personally didn't even bother applying for any because I knew it's what not what I wanted to do. Yeah. And that was a huge decision for me because I was having to go, okay, like, this is what I've been primed to do.
2: Yeah.
1: And having to make that conscious decision to stray away from that almost seemed like I'm not you know, I'm not being successful. You're and yeah. you're not
0: using your degree. Yeah. The but that's what it feels like, which, like, yeah, there's a lot to grapple with when you've just finished uni, you've just come out of this environment of everything's planned for you and you're thrown into this world, like you say, where you just there's so much unknown. And yeah. just to be able to grapple with the fact that, okay, I'm also not going to get the job that I have the title for is really mentally taxing yeah. and very exhausting to work through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On that note, I think sounds really weird but how did you come to that conclusion like obviously you went to europe and you took six months off and that kind of thing how did you come to the conclusion that you were like you know what no i'm not going to go down that conventional path was it like a, a light bulb moment or was it just more accumulation of things and what were those things
2: um i think yeah i I'm glad I, I had a little break and went away um because it, it it's hard and I'm sure a lot of people can relate like finding work and all your friends are getting work and you're not it's really hard to to like be okay with that mm. um so I went away I came back um and I think it was more just I I kind of had this interest like this very small interest in the back of my mind of like um business finance corporate world as well which is something that when i was at school i i considered as a career pathway Mm -hmm. um but my interest in nutrition was was stronger um so when i came back i just kind of thought okay i really want to find work by the end of the year um i don't want to just keep doing like little jobs here and there um but at the same time, I can't be too harsh on myself because <laughs> y- you just can never be without, you know, it's not obviously good for you to do that. So um, I I think I was just playing around on my phone, actually, on LinkedIn, and I saw... Um, her name's Fiona, who works at um, MLC, and I just, like, saw her profile. And it was just, like, that moment where I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to ask her, like, how she's gotten to where she's gotten to and how she thinks that her degree has, you know, helped her and shaped her into um, who she is now and the role she's doing now. So I did that. Um, and I guess, yeah, it wasn't necessarily, like, this moment of, oh, I don't want to become the traditional dietitian or I don't want to do research anymore – it was just me being inquisitive and, yeah, thinking of other options. Because um, at the same time, the day I found out I got the job, I was actually at Monash um, doing a research job and I just started it. It was the day I started this research <laughs> job and it was casual and it was like only for like three weeks or something. Yeah. And so I actually I found out and I was obviously so excited and then I called my parents and I told them, and then I was still on campus, and they said, "Okay, well, you, what are you going to do with this other job? Like, you can't, you can't do both, obviously." Yeah. Um, and then I, I called. I actually, I actually went back into the office, and I said, um, "Really sorry, I've got full time work." And they knew I was looking for work, so it was completely fine. Yeah. Um, I considered doing the research work on the weekend, but would I have didn't. been a lot, yeah, yeah. especially Way learning like. A, completely new new job starting full-time hours and things so yeah it was just something that kind of rolled like the ball kind of rolled and it yeah got me there um yeah now i i really enjoy it it's hard sometimes but
0: <laughs> no i think it's a yeah a good way of doing it because i feel like traditionally everyone that goes into the course has a very mapped out idea of what's going to happen yeah this is where i'm going to end up and it's just nice that you've sort of used really lame, but you've used initiative, you've used the network, you've sat back and gone, hang on, there's so much other stuff that I can explore and I don't think many people have those moments, they get really tunnel visioned.
2: Yeah, and I think like it's all about being true to yourself so like like I said before, people expect, I think people kind of expect things from you or they they say okay, well, you know A equals B, you did nutrition, you become a dietitian and you just need to as hard as, as it is, yeah, be true to yourself and realize, okay, I, I don't want to do this. Like, I, I went for a job actually like two months before, or just after Europe, so a month and a half before I started um, at the job I'm in now. And the job was very, um, very much like a weight loss kind of dietetic role. And I only applied for it because I wanted a job. And mm. I did not want that job. I just wanted a job. And I it completely reflected, I think, in my job interview. And I look back now and I obviously didn't get it. And I'm really glad I didn't get it because it's not at all what I would have wanted to do. Yeah. Um. And that was, yeah, me not being true to myself. And I think you don't want to force yourself into something you don't want to do. Mm. But at the same time, like, I'm, there are ways you can use what you have and the skills that you have. To do yeah things outside the norm that that maybe suit you better so yeah
1: and I think that kind of says something about our broader industry as well in that like there's such a scarcity of jobs that we're all kind of just like grappling at whatever we can get but none of those jobs are actually going to be innovative in improving our industry and in improving the health of our population whereas mm-hmm. like something like what you're doing now actually does support people to get back on their feet and you know improve their health and therefore improve the population's health and same I think goes for a lot of private practice and a lot of public health work whereas like we're not really taught to push the boundaries of our industry and of our profession as dieticians we're kind of just taught to you know you go and you do this job Mm -hmm. and then you stay there and you you, it's kind of like you're churning out patients but you're not actually improving anyone's health Yeah. yeah so I think like it's good that we can recognize that as a flaw in our industry and work to improve that
2: yeah and I think like there's and I don't know what the answer is but like there is like a need to to like advocate for our our skills and um, I guess yeah it's lots of ways there's lots of ways that we can do that and it's maybe it's just little things like yeah exploring new career paths doing podcasts um, writing you know articles blogs, but yeah, I think there needs to be like a higher level kind of discussion as well. And I don't know how or, or you know, what that looks like, but I think it would be really interesting to somehow get some sort of movement going at a bigger level, um, yeah. even if that's more at like a regulatory level, I don't know, just to, to really open people's eyes as well to, to what we do. Because yeah. I, I don't know if you guys have experienced this as well, but even when you people ask you what you did and you say nutrition, and they say oh, I did nutrition too, and they did like a two day course, yeah. and it, it's just a bit a bit like they they clearly don't understand what what yeah. we've mm-hmm. learned, and and that isn't um, like a, a dig at that person. Um, I think it's like a society thing as well that mm-hmm. that it's hard it's it's everyone like you say everyone's an expert in nutrition can yeah be a doodle, it
0: can be a professional everyone sort of has there's no regulatory well-known regulatory guidelines i think and i think sorry i'm just going to sidestep a little bit from career stuff because that rings a bell about a piece that you wrote for let's yeah. say nutrition press and it was a couple of years ago and i remember hearing that i got so many hits because you had a really good breakdown of what those, did you read it? like yeah, the, yeah. the difference between nutritionist and dietitian and stuff.
2: I do remember that.
0: I... <laughs> That's like third year uni. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah I, I think that so. it was. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, I was going to ask, you mentioned before that you do like health writing. Is yeah. that a space that you would consider pursuing? Because I know we've had chats about that space and how a lot, in a lot of major publications, it's not people who are equipped mm-hmm. with health knowledge necessarily writing those articles or writing those pieces is that something that you would think about possibly going into the future
2: yeah i mean i well you you both know what i was like at uni i (laughs) love writing i love talking about nutrition and advocating for um different yeah different skills and and different um even just yeah nutrition knowledge in Mm. general um and I have thought about it a lot. Um, and I think and up until now, and and I think moving forward definitely up until now, it's been quite hard because I've been so new in my role, trying to learn um, not only the the health side of my new job, but there's also a financial as- aspect of my job, <laughs> yeah. which I, I've had to learn a lot about, like accounting and tax and things that I've never really thought about before. <laughs> so I think now moving forward... I would really like to engage more in, um, yeah, like, nutrition writing again. Um, and it was something that I did in the past and I loved. And I do – I actually completely forgot about that piece that I wrote. <laughs> it's
0: something that I, like, honestly still refer to people for if they if like – so why – people are just so lost with the whole dietitian versus nutritionist. I'm like, yeah, here's a little link of someone that I know wrote this piece that really clearly broke down what the issues are. And I don't think anyone's actually done that.
2: Yeah, so, because that that was actually pretty successful, Um, Mm. not to like sound like (laughs) braggy. Yeah, I think it got like 40,000 hits, which was crazy. They told me, um, because I I did this volunteer writing at the Nutrition Press in third year uni, and maybe a bit into fourth year actually. Um, And yeah, it was all about like the role of a nutritionist, the role of a dietitian, and how we need to advocate um, for both but also how we need to advocate for us to be regulated better. So from memory, it was also to do with um, ACRA, which regulate a lot of other allied health professions, but not us. Um, And I kind of posed a a different viewpoint to um, how we're currently regulated, which um, I think got a lot of conversation going. Mm. And yeah, I had a lot of responses. I had people messaging me being like, you know, should we take this further? Um, at sta- yes. that stage, I know I, I should have. At that stage, I was, I think, doing exams and it was like the third year exam. So been, I was yeah, like, yeah,
1: no thanks, bye. Yeah, <laughs> You can take this further. I'm going to go and finish my stuff. So,
2: yeah, so the, the DAA, um, they actually, I think they were asking me about something else. They were messaging me about something else and I sent them this article being like, Look at what I've written. Look yeah. at how many people have viewed this and commented on this. Um and it, it was just an idea like it, it yeah. was not by all means um any sort of like stance against the DAA. It was it was more just a stance of we need to advocate stronger yes. um at at your level and they have you know they are probably the starting point potentially um to to do that. So it never got published. I don't know what happened, but um that was a little bit of a shame because I was like really ready to yeah, yeah. to like take it to the next level um and I think you know it's something in the future that that I would like to look at again, yeah, um but yeah, even just nutrition writing in general, I've written about um nutrients and f- different foods and like berries and just you know that <laughs> kind of stuff <laughs> so it's it was really fun, I enjoyed that, and I think I also wrote about um. Public health, uh, like regulation of um, food advertising on TV, mm. and I honestly I can't even remember what what I wrote in in detail about. But I had a few articles, um, which yeah I enjoyed writing. So it's definitely something I'd I'd probably think about in the future. Yeah, yeah. On the note
1: of chatting about DAA, um, we as dietitians. It, regulated by them we basically we'll link to the
0: article <laughs> we can, yeah, we can article link to down the article it yeah. um,
1: but basically we are a member of them and that gives us the title of a accredi- accredited practicing dietitian in Australia Sim because your role isn't as a dietitian do you want to tell us a bit about your kind of journey with that
2: yeah so um, I when I finished my degree I obviously signed up for the DAA and I signed up for to be an accredited practicing dietitian or APD, um, did some, or did my um, continued professional development hours. So my CPD hours. And then I kind of, at the end of the year, sat down and thought to myself, this is so much money. Um, Do I need this? And actually I'll just backtrack a little bit. Last year, I actually presented at the DAA conference So I presented this research to do with fruit and vegetable intake across um, Victoria and fruit and vegetable availability, and it really looked at um, different parts of Victoria, like how available was fresh fruit and veg. Um, Anyway, I presented that research at the conference in Sydney, um, which was really rewarding. But then I got to the end of the year and was a bit like, "What, what do I need this for? Um, and so I decided not to renew it, which I'm still a little bit questioning about whether I should have done that or not but I don't need it for what I'm doing now and I don't see myself getting out of the industry that I'm in now for some time mm. um, yeah, I think that it's it's probably something that is important for for some dietitians to have but um, yeah I really it get I guess it you know what you have to think about if it's worth it or not yeah. um, APD is needed for Medicare I think so if yeah. you're doing private practice yeah. you need to have it um, but it's not needed for my role because I'm not practicing as a dietitian as such mm. Mm. so yeah
1: and I think like
2: for me I mean I've
1: got I'm an APD because I need it for Medicare yeah. so that my patients can claim on their private health insurance a portion of my fees um, but honestly I don't know if I would if I didn't need it for that. Like, I think, and I think that's a flaw of not just APD, like, I don't, I, of DA, I don't think that's their fault, but of the healthcare system and the way it's regulated, in that we're only recognized as a dietitian if we're doing a clinical job. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of, <clears throat> I don't know how we address it. I think that's even way above, that's, you know, that's like a Medicare thing or a, mm. but it, it's, it's such a big thing that I think needs to be addressed because it kind of takes credibility away from people like yourself who aren't clinically practicing, but you're still being a dietitian has helped you where you are. And it's interesting mm. that I think it's a fairly unique problem to our industry. So,
0: my dad's a technical engineer, for example, and he's part of the engineering, whatever their version of TAA is, <laughs> well, not what it is. Um, but he still gets some benefits and whether that's like financial stuff he doesn't have to do as much cpd and that kind of thing but he still thinks it's relevant to his job even though he's really far from where he was 20 years ago and he still mm-hmm. maintained that the whole way through so i think it's a problem that we need to address there's a dietitian thing that like you say it needs to be an all-encompassing thing where the benefits are for everyone who's working in insurance in research in private yeah. practice in clinical whatever it is that's a flaw of yeah the system like you say and that we need to address that and think about how it's actually going to be beneficial for
1: yeah and it's it's again same thing with our degrees it's because that body is designed for the people that the job is expected to Mm. be so it's designed for clinical dietitians but our industry is growing we need to be able to support everyone in Mm. it because if suddenly we all run out like there's no more jobs in nutrition at all (laughs) what's going to happen are people going to stop doing nutrition degrees or are they going to have to be innovative Mm. and find a new way to work yeah and i think if the da and Apra as well can learn how to support people regardless of their path that they're going down Mm. that's going to give us a more effective and more credible industry and that's going to therefore give better health outcomes for our population
0: and also just a better like understanding of what we do yeah is that it's like that thing of that, you, that you're working insurance now, people are like, okay, so you're not a dietitian. And it's like, well, no, I can still be accredited and work in dietetics. And it's almost mm. like, I was talking about this with someone yesterday, but a specialty. Like, we need to sort of understand that all dietitians do, all dietitians and nutritionists do things, and that if we can create our professional support in a way that supports that supports those varying career paths Mm. then that'll just be more beneficial for the general public understanding what we can do and also more beneficial for the economy or whatever industry you're working in
2: yeah i think i think there just needs to be like a a big movement of like evolving of of nutrition and dietetics in multiple ways so Mm. yes like the daa and apra and those regulatory bodies um, it, you know, it's all about your dietitian, here is a <clears throat> clinical job, um, yeah, like a job description and here's a job going, and that's all they advertise on the job part of the website. And then, you know, at uni, it's just, the direction is clinical and a little bit of public health kind of slash research. And like you said, Liza, where, what happens and what it's happening now what happens when there's all these graduates and and there's nowhere to go and Mm. we're not equipped really to look at other ways to use your degree. And I guess I'm, I don't know, I'm lucky in a sense because I I kind of fell into but also started exploring other um, career pathways and now I'm in the job that I'm in. But, yeah, like how... Not everyone's like that. Yeah, and, and people need that support. And mm-hmm. you know, you, you pay you pay a lot of money to go to uni and to learn a degree to then not have any job kind of there for you. Like I, I remember when we finished our our degree, there was like four like specific graduate dietetics mm. jobs in Victoria or something. And it's probably the same, yeah. It's crazy. There's four and there's like so many universities now. I think I heard that there's another course coming. Yeah, there's yeah. another course coming from another university if it hasn't already started, I'm not mm. sure. So, it it just seems crazy that you can't keep teaching these people the same things. Like we need we need to revamp it all, I think. Yeah, like yeah, that we learnt some great stuff, don't get me wrong, but we need to revamp the course significantly to produce graduates that can actually be equipped to find work. Mm. That is Maybe not necessarily the traditional pathway. Mm. Um,
1: but I think, like, as well, we are equipping graduates with those with the skills that give them translatability yeah. to other industries. We're just not telling them they can do it. Yeah. We're not saying, oh, go and look for jobs in this industry or that industry. And, you know, you can have an impact here. Because I think, like, we're all aware that there's other things that we can do, but we're not really told how to do it yeah. and where we go and, like, where we learn – like, how to learn what we actually need to
0: do to get there. And I think it comes back to that it's clinical or other. Like, yeah. you don't yeah. ever think it's, like, clinical and public health are never weighted the same. It's sort of like you have all these people in this idea, in their head, I think, have this idea of all these clinical roles, which are right, there's only four, yeah. and then everything else is just sort of, like, vaguely scattered across various different industries, which is, that's where the bulk of people are going to go. Like, yeah. like you say, there's only four grad positions, which are revolving doors anyway. You're not guaranteed a spot after that where are you going to end up after that? Is it going to be private practice? Is it going to be insurance? Is it being able to explore those options and seeing it as more of a valid career mm. option, which is a dangerous word, but...
2: Yeah, and the how. I think, yeah, you're right. It's like we do have all these great skills and I think it's important that we, we that new graduates know how to use these mm. skills and, and kind of back themselves up a bit in that, yeah you actually have learnt so much and you can use all of the knowledge that you've learnt in a different way to what what you might think you have to do yeah so and that's that's even um like there's even jobs going um you know in like the de- not just the department of health but there's government jobs there's i know i was talking to a friend who's finishing her final year of law and there's even jobs at um Big companies, like big makeup companies and stuff, like L'Oreal, for example, that have graduate jobs, and they they invite anyone from mm. any any background and any course. And yeah, we've got heaps of skills to advocate for for different roles. Mm. Um, and you know, we learn a lot about problem solving and critical thinking, and we get exposure to to dealing with people with, um, or I shouldn't say dealing with people, but <laughs> treating people who are really in the worst time of their life mm. and you, you, like where there's obviously other health courses that can compare to that but you know how there's courses that can't compare to that and that's mm. huge those the knowledge of being able to to treat people and to even just consult with people that are going through such a tough time like other degrees don't have that mm. and we have that and we we have the problem solving skills to to kind of yeah, deal with that and to be able to help people. Do you think it would almost be worth,
0: say, in our last semester, having just a subject that goes, take a step back, forget about all your clinical stuff, even though you've just come off clinical placement, and looking at the frameworks of what we've studied, Mm -hmm. so like that problem-solving, like that critical thinking, and then being able to almost brainstorm or understand what we can use that for?
2: Yeah, I, I think that would be good to... And it would be good in the last year of uni to be able to kind of tie it all up. Yeah. Um, and I mean, how, oh, I don't know, you'd have to go to, like, uni boards and present <laughs> yeah, your ideas. Yeah, yeah. And it would it would make, for example, say if this was something we presented to Monash, like, it would make Monash stand out as a course. And I feel like it would be a huge opportunity to look at, okay, we do this kind of unit. Um, it doesn't have to be, like, super intense. No. It's probably an... an good unit to kind of end on in that it would be almost a bit refreshing to be Mm -hmm. able to to step away from the intense clinical um knowledge that we we learn and yeah to just be able to um explore and almost use it as like a brainstorming like tutorials and whatnot um and that would make that degree specifically i think stand out a lot and you'd see yeah new graduates leaving and hopefully with, with the how, the equipping them on how to do or use their skills, you could see different avenues of um, people starting new jobs in different yeah, career yeah. paths. And I think the the reason that there isn't that at the moment
1: is that those jobs don't exist yet and we need to learn how to be innovative in our actual thinking about the industry and about our approach to it so that we can create jobs, so that we can then go back and educate people. Mm. You know, like, we did have a course at the end of our degrees, which we talked about with Claire, that did try and equip us for graduation, but I don't think it really captures the way that we need, like, we need to, like, hustle. Like, we have to drive our passion to where it's going to be impactful. And, like, it just, I don't know how we get there. Well, just even, just reflecting back on that unit anyway, I felt like it was very
0: basic... This is a resume. Yeah. this is how you tell your cover letter. Yeah. And but yes, it was still tailored for useful. nutrition, and that's that's but, the thing. It's that they would even all the questions that people had were that they were tailoring it towards a hospital job, exactly. Or like yeah, a, something with nutrition in the title, which is not my role didn't have nutrition in the title. I don't think yours did. Yours probably definitely didn't. Mm. See. <laughs> <laughs> so mm. being able to teach people how to search for jobs and look at that application criteria of like say we did have that subject or we take a step back and go okay so like for me it was a looking at quality improvement and being like I've done that that mm. was our entire food service placement I've got that framework I've worked in I have that understanding and then applying it to something that is not nutrition related whatsoever and I don't think not saying that I'm a cold standard but I don't think people think like that like it's not yeah. you know what, yeah. everyone just searches nutrition dietitian food yeah yeah and that's pretty much it
2: I agree. I think that would be a good aspect of, like, if this was a final unit, some of it would be looking at, okay, yeah, how to find work that isn't dietitian, nutrition, blah, 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 typical work, and then also how to hustle and advocate for those jobs. I think there is a lot of jobs that Mm. don't really exist, but um, with a strong movement, I think, and a lot of advocating – definitely are important and essential and in the future um can exist Mm. and yeah like how how we go about that so i think it would be good to like yeah like marry those two two ideas together and create yeah some sort of final unit that really explores more than just hospital write your resume here it is (laughs) i think get rejected yeah (laughs) i think at
1: the core of it it's about empowering people to seek that change and Mm. to to actually like when you graduate uni like for the like us you finish this degree and you've got so many skills and you're as a person much more you know well equipped to do so many things Mm. and but I think we we belittle ourselves into like applying for certain jobs and then we take that rejection really personally when it's just like it's just because it's competitive that we don't get these things and I think if we can learn to be like all right well I've got all these great skills that I can use now where can I use them yeah. how can I you know have the positive changes that I want to see in the world and I think that's where our, like just personally that's where I feel like my course fell short in that it didn't really empower me to make a change that I wanted to see it yeah. kind of went you need to fit into this box or yeah. you you need to go and sort yourself out <laughs> <laughs> which is <laughs> I don't I hope that doesn't reflect on Monash badly because I don't I, it was a great course I loved it But I think, like... It's just, it didn't wrap everything up as nicely. And I think that's... Again,
0: I don't think it's just specific to our course. I think it's a lot of courses in general, a lot of people that go through the university system. And I have a friend who's working... She went through a uni now. She's working in vocational, like, ASQA, which deal with, like, a lot of TAFE courses and stuff. And she's like, that's the main difference, is that vocational training... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Industry-ready. They're ready for you to work. Whereas universities they give you that up higher level thinking but you're not taught how to practically do it a lot of the time yeah. and that really falls short at the end of so many courses because then you're left going I have this title but I don't have a job to match to it
2: yeah yeah it's it's tough <clears throat> and finding work is tough and um I guess it's yeah it's something that like you're both saying as well like you can't let it Um, you can't take it personally because I think, yeah, we have this great course that equips up, equips us for a lot of different jobs. So if you were getting rejected, it's not like a reflection on you. It's more that it's just so competitive. Mm. And I, I found that too. I mean, all of us here were, were pretty good at uni and <laughs> like, we we did really well it at uni, and, uni <laughs> yeah, yeah so it's hard and i think people have expectations like even even some other students and um some of the lecturers you know they, they say, oh, you know, you won that prize. You'll be fine. Like, you, you're going to be so good when you finish uni. And then you finish uni and you're like, ah. Yeah, it almost encourages
1: a complacency mm. in your degree. when mm, I think, yeah. like, what we need to be taught is how to advocate for ourselves, how to, you know, bring ourselves up to the level that we're ready to go and do whatever we want to do. Mm. And I think, like, honestly, I don't know if it's a flaw in our courses. I don't know if it's the uni's responsibility to equip us for that. But I think it's something that needs to be... Changed in the industry and in our culture so that we are like feeling like we can go out and use our degree but that's not our defining characteristic as a person that's mm. you know a part of what we've learned but we can still go and use that to do what we want to do.
0: I think it's, and this is a very big sleeping statement, but I think it's a societal shift exactly. as well. Because I know yeah. when my parents went through uni, and their idea of uni is that you finish uni, like you say, it's like A plus B equals C. Like you, yeah. you study something, you've got a title, and that means you go into a career in yeah. that title. But the changing nature of the workforce at the moment and having, there's so many contributing factors like female empowerment and, and like people being able to do multi-hyphenate sort of things is changing the face of that. And I think we're in a very strange societal shift where we need to be taught to work with that and not against that. Yeah. Which is yeah. a very hard thing to
2: to think about. That is hard. And like it even just brings to mind like a few of my friends who, again, they're not in nutrition. Um, one of them, a different friend, he's in his final year of law, and it's a bit like he doesn't really want to become a lawyer now mm-hmm. and I, I think at, correct me if I'm wrong if you guys know but at the end of your law degree you do like a test and then um I think so yeah yeah and then like you do some other training yeah any whatever. lawyers
1: please correct us yeah we not we don't know your industry but like yeah you've got to you've got to continue the process
2: yeah. to get to this goal yeah. but and he a he's a bit like I don't know if I want to do that or if I want to use my law degree in like the finance corporate um commerce world which is is a literal like thing you can do that um mm-hmm. like my dad works in finance and he has heaps of colleagues who have law degrees but they're not lawyers now mm-hmm. but then you know the typical like your parents know you did law you become a lawyer and it's it's a society thing too mm-hmm. like and even even when i talk to people and they they're like oh but you did dietetics and you're not a dietitian and it's hard it's, it's actually really hard at times to explain to people and to actually have, like, faith in yourself yeah. that, mm. and not doubt yourself. I've, I mean, I've at times doubted myself and been like, is this the right thing to do? People think I should have done this. Maybe I should have. And, yeah, it's, mm. it's again, it's, it's, When you step yeah. back and look
0: at it like that, it's like, well, it's stupid. Because you can't just be thinking that I'm going to be a certain title for the rest of my life. That's not how it works. That's not how jobs work anymore. Everything's contractual now as well. We're not in permanent positions forever. Yeah,
2: and you can, I mean, you can change whenever you want. Like, it's, mm. if in six months' time, I don't want to do this anymore, or, like, if, same with, with both of you. If in, you know, next week or something, you don't want to do it, there's so many opportunities. Mm. Um, it's just, it's like you said, Liza, it's like the how. It's using your degree in different ways. It's how do you do that. Um, and, yeah, like, out-of-the-box thinking. Um, But yeah, I don't think you should think you do this degree, it means you become this, and that is what you are for life. Because maybe you will become that for a year or two, and then you will completely change. Get a grad job, it's 12 months, then what? Like, those kind of things. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and I think that's what the, not just the unis, but like art society isn't thinking about well enough, is that then what? Yeah. what what's happening next what's yeah. happening after we get sick of that and move on to the next thing because as millennials that's what we do <laughs> like we need to think about the bigger picture of both yeah. our our individual lives and of the way that we can have an impact in our industry and in the world because like the system isn't supporting us and so we need to change the system yes so yeah i think if we can somehow <laughs> empower people to learn that for themselves that's a great starting point and that can then hopefully inflict change in society and in the degrees and in the daa and the upperas and Mm. you know and everything can kind of be more accommodating to support everyone yeah because i think that's where it comes down to is that lack of support for people who do want to do something different yeah Yeah. Mm. or need to
0: yeah just want to actually have to yeah this is, I'll, we ask this question to everyone on the podcast, and it's kind of diverted a lot from what we've actually talked about, but that's okay. Um, what does food mean to you?
2: Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nothing to do with insurance.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, it's not really. Um, I, I guess food, from, from when I was about oh, 14, 15, um, I, I kind of began thinking about nutrition as a career. And there were a few reasons for that. I was really interested in like the power of of food and the fact that um like food is is so much more than just the sum of its nutrients like it it's um it brings people together and in so many different ways, whether it be like social kind of gatherings, birthdays, Christmas, but also like cooking with your mum or if that's something you do um brings kind of families together. So I was really interested in food and really interested in science. So without the focus on science, um, I guess food to me is something that I, I value in the sense that it is a social thing. So even like I was saying when you asked me um, what was like a party that, no. that you root. Recall as one of the best, or whatever the wording was, <laughs> um, and and it was their high tea party when I was fourteen because um, it was just so enjoyable to be with friends and to enjoy like these delicious little um, sweets and foods. And then you know now I'm 23 and um, I have had birthdays since where my mum and I have cooked up all of this food and I've invited all my girlfriends around. And um, we've celebrated in that way. So it's hard because you see people advocate to cut food groups. And it just makes no sense to me because food is so much more than the sum of its nutrients. Um, and I guess that's really my philosophy of, of from the beginning. Or really from when I was about yeah, 14, 15 and throughout my schooling and uni. Um, I was never the type to be diety. And that wasn't why I did nutrition and I I kind of had this fascination with food. It was more of food as um, this social thing with the acknowledgement that food is also obviously quite important in, in terms of our health, but not just for the nu- nutritional reasons. Um, so yeah, I mean, food is a very important thing to me because it brings everyone together and and I'm a bit of a foodie. I enjoy going out for breakfast. And, and dumplings. <laughs> yeah, dumplings. <laughs> Burgers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Burgers,
1: definitely. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. And that's the, like, we don't have to put this in, but that's the, the exact answer that we've gotten from every single person that's been on the podcast. Yeah. And I think that just really shows that this industry we're working in, this area is so much more important than we give it credit to. And I think, as you mentioned, the whole like restriction, dieting stuff like that's a whole other podcast. You're (laughs) supposed to bring it back and cut it down, and it takes away that value that you can get from food. Yeah, and so I think it's taking
0: away nutrients. Exactly. Yeah, social connection and love, and all the things that everyone else has said on the podcast as well. Yeah,
2: and I think as well, like when you think of health, slightly step to the side here, but somewhat related. When you think of health, I think a lot of these people that that don't necessarily have this um, nutrition background in terms of like a uni degree like we do. They just see physical health and they mm-hmm. don't see anything else like um, like social health. Um, mental health. Mental health, yeah. yeah. I was thinking of what are they <laughs> Yeah, um, and, and yeah, physical health and I just see, okay, nutrients, sodium, bad for heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, like everyone knows things like that. You know, if you have too much salt, yeah, it's probably going to be bad for your heart but but you you need to look at everything like the whole picture of everything so it's not just physical health like equally as important is mental health and um yeah like social health as well and i think like you know we can all probably relate there's all been times in our lives um i'm not sure to like what extent where you know things have gotten really hard mentally your health has has um suffered because of that and yeah it's really important to consider that you know food restriction and that can really affect your mental health and food is really important in helping the whole health and the whole picture of it mm. so yeah I think it's it's another thing again like we equip ourselves with a lot of skills and we look at the person holistically and not just calories in, calories out, physical health mm. mm-hmm. because that's just not sustainable like yeah. we're humans, we're not machines yeah, <laughs> yeah. and
1: like in the with the example mm-hmm. of sodium, you know what else is bad for your health and bad for your heart health? Anxiety and <laughs> <Yeah>. anxiety <laughs> exactly. related to reducing your sodium and not yeah. enjoying your time out with friends. So it's like you've got to. I think we're equipped with the skills to realize that and to look at the the bigger picture and think, okay, like yes, nutrition at, it, at its biochemical level is important. Yeah, but it's also so much more than that, and it's yeah. and that's where like again going back to the dietitian versus any other member of the public that's what we're equipped in to realizing in that we do have the the larger broader thinking about this
2: stuff Mm. so yeah yeah. and you're only human like if yeah i mean and social health like going out for a drink with friends on the weekend um i mean (laughs) you know maybe to some extent not as hard as i may have done in the past but (laughs) yeah like it's important it's so important you need to do these things and it's important to yeah like maintain your friendships and um see people and and a lot of that just has to revolve around food and
0: drinks and yes yeah exactly right important to give that credit to
2: yeah yes what a good
1: note to end on <laughs> um before we sign off do you mind telling us probably not as relevant for you as a lot of other people that we've had on but like what you're currently working on where we can
2: find you where people can see more of your work Um, so I guess what I'm currently working on, um, actually at work, which is exciting. So I've got my, obviously my regular role of assessing claims, looking, um, at whether people can and can't work and working with rehab specialists to get people back to work. So that's the 90% of my role, um, which every day is different because everyone is off work for different reasons, which Mm -hmm. makes it exciting. But I'm actually at the moment working on um starting up and it's it has started up and um the competition that i did at the end of 2017 um has kind of fallen um off the side of a hill after (laughs) i did it and um so when i started i i did ask is the competition running again and they said no anyway in about april this year we got it running again so i got into contact with A few contacts at Monash. Um, So now we have seven finalists in different um, allied health backgrounds. So we've got social work, psychology. I think we have nutrition. I think we might even have some medicine. Um, And we're restarting the competition. So I'm like on the board of that. Um, and Ooh, I'm excited about exciting. that yeah. Yeah, so now circle. I, I know now I'm on the other end um, of not having to present in front of everyone <laughs> being presented to by another student um, so that's what's happening internally um, at at um, MLC where I work um, but I guess like where to find me and, and I guess my, my next steps um, like you said before like I'm really thinking about doing nutrition writing again it's not something that I have started yet, but I guess a bit of like watch this space and I'm sure um, Bran and Liza will know. I'll tell them yeah, we'll when, I, posted. Yeah, when yeah. I do or if, you know, w- what I end up doing um, and what like social media platform that that is on. Um, but yeah, I, I just keep an eye out. Um, and if anyone, I guess, has any questions about different career paths to the norm and and how a bit more detail on how I got to where I am and more about what I do um like they can find me on Facebook anyway um and they can probably just ask Liza and Brand to yeah to get in touch with me but I don't really have a lot going on at the moment in terms of like blogs or anything but it's probably something I'm going to consider moving forward yeah yeah nice we'll we'll update the podcast Show notes
1: and things with yeah, any email, future as well. yeah. um, endeavors, but I'm super excited to see where your career goes because yeah. it's such yes. a different. It's it's so different to what anyone else we know is doing, yeah. and I yeah. think it's really exciting. I agree. It's
2: so different, but it's good. It's, it's, good, yeah. Different. Yeah. it's a good different. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> it's, it's um. Hey, yeah, you it's could be working at Target still. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they
2: have self-serve checkouts now So you <laughs> oh, literally do nothing Good of a job <laughs> Yeah Oh thanks for being with us soon. Thank you.
0: doing here? The party's over. Thanks for sticking around though, and thank you so much for coming to our pantry party. Yeah, I hope you had a great time. I mean, we sure did. Oh no, don't worry about doing the dishes, leave them there. Yeah, we'll clean I it up tomorrow. Just get home here. safe. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, if you really want to do something, you can hit the link down below that takes you to our Patreon page.
1: Or, you know, just check out our website or Instagram. Share this episode, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Maybe we'll be new and noteworthy one day. That'd be a great review for a party. Yeah. But either way, go home. The episode's over. Bye.